Okay, Tony, did you get the slide? Yeah, I've got it. Okay. Well, good evening and welcome to Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. We are back for a Tuesday evening uh, podcast. And tonight we've got some very interesting information we'd like to share with you. And we're going to be talking about PTSD. I don't know why I keep putting a P, a P on the D, but it should be PTSD, Post Traumatic Stress Disorder, with our guest, Captain Frank McClendon and Mary Williams. And we're going to talk about how to deal with uh, P- PTSD. I keep putting the P there. I'll change it. It's PTSD. Uh, and, and, uh, well, uh, our guest tonight will be Mary Williams, uh, my co-host, Francis Lockett, and, and, and our, one of our cast member, the crew, uh, Trisha Primo, is here with us this evening. So we're going to talk a little bit about post-traumatic stress disorder. And we're going to get right into the show. And I'm Tony Renfro with Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. And we're going to get right into the show with uh, our guest, Mary Williams. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Hi, Miss Mary. Good evening. It's good to see you. Thank you, Francis. And nice to see you and Trish and Tony Renfro. Yeah, Yeah. we go way back. So tell us a little bit about, you know, we have asked people who has PTSD and, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm a reader and I do a lot of reading and I, mm-hmm. I, I just read a lot. Um, and I fa- found out that you don't have to be a veteran to have PTSD. You can be uh, just an individual in, uh, uh, that never been to the military and have PTSD. So can you tell us about PTSD? And I'm going to sit back because this is going to be very, very interesting to me. So um, I'm going to give you some statistics real quickly. And let me tell you about post-traumatic stress disorder. It is not just a military thing. Um, that has been a label that has been put on the military, unfortunately. But no, post-traumatic stress disorder can come from anything. Um, for example, we just recently had a, uh, a shooting at a school and so that was just on the news today in las vegas they had a shooting at a school and in virginia so when you go through a traumatic event like that you will can suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder it's a trauma event that causes your neurological signs of your brain to um let's say um go into um it just they just start really it just really starts um i can't think of the right word i want to say but really, exactly yeah, yeah. It, exactly like that and so you don't know exactly what's going to happen next so you go into this mental state and so therefore post-traumatic stress disorder is not just like i said for um veterans only um 
no, there's so many other people who have that diagnosis. And I'm going to give you some facts real quickly. Um, 7.7 million Americans deal with the diagnosis of PTSD in any given year. So that is between 300 to 500,000 service members have been diagnosed with PTSD across 12 years of combat. So it's not just our service members, but you have 7.7 million Americans deal with the diagnosis of PTSD in any given year. So conservatively, that's about 95% of Americans with PTSD are civilians. And people don't understand unless they've been through it. I, I myself was diagnosed quite some time ago with it um, from a traumatic event. It, it's life, it debilitates you. It will, it will cripple you. And there's nothing that you know will really alleviate it until you are completely knowledgeable of what's happening because it's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's bad. Right. And people, people can like go through, they can go through PTSD reliving the events such as nightmares yeah. or flashbacks. Um, anything that can trigger that that incident that happened to you, um, and, and you go back anything. into that moment. Yes. Um, another one is uh, um, symptoms that of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is avoidance, and um, yep. consciously or unconsciously, you try to avoid situations, locations, or people that trigger trigger that event. Um, you actually disassociate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to disassociate yourself. Like, for instance, people um, that I know do not like to go to malls. They don't like to go to crowded places. The grocery store even can get them, you know, into a, a, a panic state. For really? myself, yes. For myself, every time I hear fireworks going off, I go into panic mode because it goes. It brings me back to that place in time where I was. Um, and another thing, anytime I go to like a high rise building, like if I go to Houston, I'm looking around constantly behind my back and up on top of buildings because the enemy could be right there and you don't realize that. Yeah, so I can't turn my back to like a, a door at the restaurant. I have, to, I have to watch the door and mm -hmm. I would disassociate at any time. I'd be standing there doing the dishes and lose track, of, like time would just be missing. Mm -hmm. right. And it's just, it's crazy. It, it, it can it cripple you for real. Well, how are you diagnosed or with how, how is one diagnosis? Is it through um, like a psychiatrist or is it through your medical doctor? Like, how do you, how would you be able to pinpoint? So you have to go to your medical doctor and um, then you get a diagnosis from a, a psychologist. And those are the ones that are the doctors that are able to give you prescription meds. If you need that, they're able to give you clinical treatment that you might need. Mm -hmm. um, the military has that. We have that capability here in Beaumont. We also have that in Houston too. Um, I was diagnosed while I was um, as a retiree, as a matter of fact, not just from the military, but also with other incidents that have occurred since I've mm -hmm. been out in the military. So I want to go through our slide presentation real quickly with our viewers um, before time gets away. Um, there are, um, the next slide, Tony, um, is going to be, there are five um, categories in the military. The first, and these are all in the in the way that they were presented um, at any given time, um, when any event that you go to, any military event that you go to, this is how the flags are all placed. This is the order that the military was put together. And the first is the United States Army. Of course, you have the United States 
Navy, I mean the Marine Corps, and then the Navy. The Marine Corps falls under the Navy. It's part of the Navy. Then you have the United States Air Force and, of course, uh, the United States Coast Guard. A lot of people forget that the Coast Guard is an active component of the United States military. And um, they are the ones that watch our ports, all the ports. And anytime, like, you go, like, down to Atlanta, I mean, not to Atlanta, but to Miami, you see a lot of um, customs. That's where the U.S. Coast Guard is. So we have our Coast Guard is always guarding our shorelines. So that's what um, the Coast Guard does. And the next slide describes what a veteran is. And uh, a veteran will be utilized um, to include reservists and National Guard duty members along with active duty duty service members, inclusive of all men and women who have been discharged from active duty services from all branches of the United States Armed Forces. A veteran is anybody who raises their right hand and swears to defend and uphold the Constitution of the United States um, from all foreign um, enemies. So when you raise your right hand and get sworn in, you are therefore a United States veteran and you will be able to get full benefits unless you get an un, uh, unless you get a, um, a dishonorable discharge. These are the next slide is just the different numbers of how many reserve um, active duty um, people we have and um, how many are in the reserves right now. So this was from a few years ago, but these are numbers that are that we know for sure because of COVID. Um, of course, all the numbers change all the time. So. Um, that's just a little bit about, we used to have a um, next slide shows you about the military veteran peer network, which I used to be the coordinator at Spindletop with. We no longer have this, this association, but I still do um, peer support, which is to help our veteran community. Um, I'm still certified by the Texas Veterans Commission as a peer support specialist. And what we do is we help each other and build a com camaraderie of trust um, with our veteran community. We go through training and we help our um, veterans become volunteers so that they can go out into the uh, veteran community and advocate and talk to our veterans that might need just somebody to talk to, somebody to listen to. Um, we used to do um, great luncheons. Uh, Francis used to come to them. It was a great time that you could really be a, um, a networking to our veterans, for our veterans. It was really a good time. I wish they would bring it back, but it was funding. So that's federal funding. So. Uh, let's see, our next slide tells you about how Americans view um, post 9-11 veterans. Some of us view them, we have a split perception about our veterans. Some are considered broken and some are considered heroes. Um, during the Vietnam era uh, war, when they came back home, they didn't even get a welcome home reception. They got spit at, thrown, stuff thrown at them. They were, they were called baby killers. Um, this was around when my father was in the military and when he came back from uh, Guam, he was stationed in Guam during the Vietnam War. And he would tell us about how our veterans were treated and it was horrible. I mean, I can't imagine being spit at or have stuff thrown at me or be considered a baby killer when I'm out there defending and upholding the Constitution of the United States of America. And I don't, I can't even get a welcome back. I can't imagine that. Um, Another thing that veterans go through their first um, eight to 12 weeks of being in the military, it's called basic training. That's our next slide. And basic training um, can last 
between eight to 12 weeks, depending on which branch you go into. I went into the United States Army. That was an eight week process. And as you can see, the next slide shows you what we go through. We get broken down all the way from a civilian all the way up to becoming a soldier or a Marine, an airman or sailor. And it's like I said, it's an eight to 12 week process. It's the next slide, Tony. And we literally get yelled in our face and we get a buzz haircut. All of our hair comes chopped off. Um, it, it's really, it really is. It really looks like this and it really is like that. You only have a few weeks to become a soldier to be able to go out in combat and serve your country. And I went to Fort Dix, New Jersey for basic training. Um, I was in Delta Company 226, which was uh, 2nd Battalion, 20, uh, um, 26th Company. So, oh goodness, it was, it was very scary. I was right out of high school. So I was like three weeks after I graduated high school, I was off to Fort Dix, New Jersey. I was scared, but I was also excited because I knew I wanted to become a soldier. I didn't want to stay home in Texas anymore. I wanted to uh, see what life was like outside the Golden Triangle. So that's why I joined the Army. It was exciting. It was scary, but I made so many friends. Okay, so our next our next slide shows you the continuous training that we have to go through. Training is 24-7 in the military. You can stay in the military for months or 20 plus years. Some people have been in the military for over 30 years. Some people have done 20 years and get out. I did 21 and that was enough for me. So training is always something that you're going through. You will be training um, even in a non-combat situation. There's training all the time. You can never get enough training because you just never know what could happen. Uh, let's see. Okay, so our next slide tells you about deployment. Okay, our deployments can last a long time. They can last a short time. My son was is in the Navy right now, currently serving in the United States Navy in uh, Maryland. And before he was in Maryland, he was stationed in Norfolk, Virginia. And he went out on four different deployments. Some of those deployments took him all the way to the Indian Ocean, which is all the way across the world. These deployments are very hard on families that are left behind. And it's very hard on the individual um, soldier, sailor, marine, airman, because they have to leave behind their families not knowing what could happen to them. I know for myself, I was a single mom in the Army, and having to raise and having to worry about my son at that time not knowing what could happen to me. And um, as you can see, our next slide tells you all of the different combats that the United States military has been involved in, which have all been, as you can see, most have been uh, volunteer forces of the United States. So when we raise our hand to, to uphold and defend the Constitution, we are literally writing a check to the United States military for free for our lives to serve. Um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of conflict, y'all. So um, our next slide shows you, if you look at the bottom, it says 222 out of 239 years since 1776. We've been in combat. Y'all think about that. That's a long, long time. That's a lot of years that we've been in combat, y'all. And um, the next slide tells you about the deployment cycle. Tells you about the pre-deployment, what we go through, 
and how long it is when we're gone, what our kids and families go through, how we have to, how they have to take care of the rear, as I say, take care of home. And what happens when we come back from combat? Are we the same way that we left? No. The next slide tells you about reintegration. When we come back from war, are we really the same person that we were when we left? I know I wasn't. Nope. A lot of us aren't. And it's really hard for us to get back into that to that cycle again. Um, the next slide tells you transition is a 60 to 90 day process. Or is it? As you can see, this lady, she's looking at herself in the mirror, but she still sees herself in combat. Um, our next slide tells you about navigating and challenges that we have transitioning to civilian. These are statistics, y'all. Look how hard it is for us to find a job when we come out of the military. Why is that? Why do we have homeless people on the side of the road right now? I think about that a lot, y'all. Why do we have a quarter of a million homeless veterans in the United States right now? A quarter of a million homeless veterans are in the United States that are living under a bridge in a tent that can't provide for themselves. These are just some uh, statistics I pulled. I wanted y'all to see this. Um, it's just it's just sad. It's really sad. Um, look at how we have to look at the statistic of readjusting to social life. Forty eight percent of us have a hard time dealing with trying to get back into the community. Wow, look at low, how low the uh, capitalization on training and educational opportunities is on that 35%. Exactly. For us to live, be able to live comfortably. Exactly. And not only that, but you can go to school for free in the military. The, the military will pay for your education 100% mm -hmm. when you get out. Or you can go while you're in the military. Um, there's so many different Lamar University has a great veterans program there where you can that they will pay 100% of your military um, for you. I mean, I mean, your education career for you. Um, 100%. Mm -hmm. And then if you enlisted in Texas, you qualify for the Hazelwood Act, which entitles you to even more free education benefits. And if you don't use the Hazelwood Act, you can pass that down to your children. And even oh, wow. to your grandchildren, if you choose to, if they don't want to go to school. So let's say my son, done, he, he ended up going to the Navy. So my Hazelwood Act can go to my grandchildren now because my son didn't utilize it. So if my grandchildren want to go to school, they can go to school. So that's a great thing. Um, yeah, I want to show you at the very end at the very bottom of our next slide it shows employers avoid hiring veterans 28 percent employers avoid hiring veterans why why do you think that is why is it that a veteran is avoided i couldn't understand that why is it because all veterans are labeled with a, a a, a taboo label on them saying that they have PTSD? No. Shouldn't be that way. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't at all be that way. 
And they shouldn't be competing with candidates in the workforce either. No, absolutely. So, you know, we have so much to offer to civilian uh, workforce. We have the best training in the world right now. We have the highest elite training to go out in combat. And Mm -hmm. we bring so much to the table, but yet we're avoided. I don't get that. And our next slide tells you about uh, reintegration into families. Uh, what about the families that are left behind? Do you think that um, they're okay with us going off to combat? No. A lot of parents are having uh, have are expecting when that soldier or sailor or airman or marine leaves, and they end up having a baby while that soldier or airman, marine, or sailor is deployed. So. Um, our next slide is going to be talking about our transition from the military health care to the VA. And it's a, it's a beast. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's unbelievable. To this day, we have so many veterans who are not able to get their benefits right now, their, their disability benefits, because the VA is so backlogged. Mm. Are you serious? Did, yes. Oh, yes. They did a story on 60 Minutes. It's been a, a couple of years ago. I saw it with Diane Sawyer and to see the stacks of military records that haven't even been looked through yet because they're oh, wow. back Yep. This is disturbing. That's disturbing to me. I mean, you guys are, and thank you for your service. Um, you're out there thank fighting you. for our country and, and you can't get health care or find civilian jobs. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And not to mention the homelessness. That is utterly yeah. ridiculous. It's a reality. Uh, it's real. It's real, y'all. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear me. Tony uh, did say that we had some, I had some feedback on my mic. Um, I want to say hoo to Mary for uh, coming on the Roundtable Talk uh, as a uh, prior service army she knows what that means uh so um uh i salute you uh for uh bringing this information uh to the community and letting people know how military the military community and we have a very large military community here in beaumont texas Mm -hmm. um how the transition is for us um as far as resources as far as support from family and community as far as you know uh having the opportunity for a job um uh, um i mean like first dibs on jobs having opportunity on resources as far as housing um it, it's it's a lot as a veteran um uh, returning home with you know minimal injuries or just the nerve damage of, of some sort to my injury from my injuries i i would consider myself to be blessed but at the same time as as uh, mary alluded um we submit ourselves in our communities uh, on volunteer uh, or a lot of things to, in the community so that we can i guess so that the things that we are involved and engaged in can be our therapy so to speak um so i mean like um i definitely want to say thank you for um sharing this information um, mm-hmm. and I do apologize for being a little tardy. 
uh, for mustard. So please don't hold that to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we gonna get you, Chris. We gonna make you get down with it, as they say. Get down with it, soldier. Get down. That's it. <laughs> but um, I do want to um um fast forward a little through our slides so we can okay. uh, um finish on time. Um, getting to the where it says the physical injury slide, Tony. Uh, next slide. Uh, next one. Right there. If you look at that, if you look, PTSD ranks third among veteran disability recipients. So tinnitus is a, is the ringing in your ear. We have over 1,450,000 veterans that are diagnosed with tinnitus. And I'm sure the numbers are even higher now because this was a, couple, a few years ago. So um, tinnitus is that ringing in your ears that um, you will hear. That is only a 10% disability rating for the military, wow. that's it, 10%. Um, we have hearing, I'm sure you've heard that ringing in your ears before too. If you are if you go to concerts or if you go around oh, like yeah. explosions or stuff, you sometimes will hear that ringing in your ear. That is tinnitus. Um, we also have veterans that deal with hearing loss. We have a million of them already. And as you can see, the different types of uh, disabilities that we claim, uh, goodness, we have so there's so many of them that that's just a few that's just the higher ranking one so as you see ptsd is eight hundred thirteen thousand. i'm sure by now it's probably over a million veterans mm -hmm. that have suffered from ptsd okay our next slide shows you the brain and this is a very very important slide i want y'all to look at that a veteran's worst wounds may be the ones that you cannot see because they're in the brain they're in that mind Okay. Now we have, as of right now, veteran suicide, and we're going to talk about that in the next slides. Our veterans are committing suicides 22 a day. And as they say, 22 is 22 too many. We have veterans that are taking their lives at an all time high right now. Why? We don't know. We don't know what's in that mind of that veteran. We can't say. Um, a lot of veterans are just get, have given up on life. Um, and that's why we have to get to them before they take their life. Um, at the end of my slide presentation, I will leave you with the a crisis hotline number um, that the veterans can call at any time. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, our veterans have that opportunity to talk to a live body, not a computer. Um, so if you look at all these, the different part, pieces of the brain, go back, Tony, to that slide. Look at, look at, look at this. Um, military suicides on your left are the highest rate in 10 years. 10 years, that's crazy. Um, and at the very bottom of the right-hand corner, it says traumatic brain injuries can increase suicidal thoughts and behavior. So if you get something, an injury to the, to the head, Okay, or a bomb goes off and you're part of that bomb and it messes up your, your helmet on your head that you have. It's called a Kevlar. You can sustain a traumatic brain injury from that. And whenever your brain is traumatized, different things can happen. Your brain is so sensitive. And so therefore, when anything triggers it or, or uh, doesn't make it stable anymore, you're going to have all of these different things. All of these tendencies are going to start to fall into place. 
And we have to recognize that. Um, at the very top of there, at the top right-hand corner, it says 20% of national suicides are completed by veterans. That means that they go through with it. They didn't attempt it. They went through with it. Um, let's see. Our next slide tells you about the similarities between um, PTSD and traumatic brain injury, which is a TBI. We use a lot of acronyms in the military, but it tells you, look at look at those two circles and how they come into play, where both of them come together. And suicide, I mean, affects traumatic brain injury, but it also has the tendencies of post-traumatic stress disorder. So all of those things come together. That, that's how, how much they play it into factor with each other. So you could have the ringing in the ears, but you can also have the hypervigilance of PTSD. So all of this can be come into play into a veteran's mind. Um, I've actually heard that, that they, they kind of think that PTSD and the traumatic brain injury are one and the same sometimes. Like if you have post-traumatic stress disorder, it could be because of the, the, the injury to the brain or vice versa. Exactly. Um, for, for instance, um, you see um, a lot of these um, football players have all of a sudden now these brain, these traumatic brain injuries now to their right. heads because of all the, the hitting on their heads. That's then now they're they're coming out with that. So um, they I think Denzel Washington made a movie about that. I think it so, was a Will Smith. Will Smith. He was a doctor. Yeah, Will Smith or something. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I can't remember, but yeah, excuse me if I put Denzel out there. Yeah, both So, um, exactly. So, uh, it's it's horror. It's really, it's really, it's really sad, y'all. This is this is really true, but it's really, it's you know, these are really horrible statistics if you look at it. Mm -hmm. Um, our next slide deals with um, and it's very close to my heart. Is um, our next slide tells you about what is military sexual trauma. Military sexual trauma. As you all probably heard in the news, President Biden just passed into law last week the Vanessa Guillen Act. Vanessa Guillen was a soldier in the United States military stationed at Fort Hood, in Fort Hood, Texas, at Killeen, Texas, around the Austin area. It's our largest military installation in the, in the world. It is huge. And um, she was a victim of military sexual trauma. She was also a victim of murder. And nobody listened to her story. And I'm sure Chris can agree with me that there are so many soldiers that don't get listened to. Our stories don't get told. Our stories are um, swept up under the rug. Our chain of command does not listen to us when we come, uh, come to them with a story that we've been a victim of a rape or a military uh, or a sexual, any type of sexual um, event that was not um, consent. And they just look at us and say, oh, well, it didn't happen. Or if you're a lower enlisted soldier, you might as well just forget it because you're not going to be listened to. You're going to be said, oh, well, too bad, so sad. And that's why Vanessa Guillen never went forward with her story. Nobody would listen to her story. Why? Because she was a private. She was an E3. Nobody listened to her story. Nobody was going to. She went all the way up to her company commander. Nobody listened. And look what happened to this innocent person, soldier, out of Houston, Texas, y'all. And these are some 
statistics that I've put up there. Since 2006, more than 95,000 service members have been sexually assaulted in the military. 95,000, y'all. That is crazy numbers. Where are their stories? Why aren't these people being held accountable? Why aren't these people being held accountable for these actions? It's stuff we don't hear about. And that's part of the healing process for the post-traumatic well, stresses. Right. You can't be told that, you know, you, you have to speak about it and, and be acknowledged. And that's obviously not happening. <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to, re- we're not reporting it because it, it's it's just going to get like, like I, I'm sure Chris can agree with this. Um, it'll just get swept under the rug. Nobody's going to listen to us, especially if you're a, an enlisted soldier or a right. lower enlisted soldier. If you if you are an E0 to an E4 you are considered a lower enlisted soldier. So nobody's gonna listen to your story. Now, once you become an E5, which is considered a non-commissioned officer, oh yeah, oh, well, we might listen to what Miss Mary has to say or what Sergeant Williams or Sergeant Jones has right. to say. And that's a might, a strong might. A very, very strong true. might. I might listen to what you have to say. And and like, like it says, um, service members it didn't say it didn't say female it said service members uh because in the military uh men are sexually assaulted as well um uh, by other service members uh so um yeah uh, the the numbers are overwhelming the stories uh, are overwhelming the lack of accountability especially on that on that side is overwhelming um when it comes to you know sexual assault and sexual trauma in the military uh, uh and and like mary said it, it's a lot of service members who can't especially if you are like a private private first class or a recruit especially if if you are a recruit don't even mention it just chuck it up to as something that that happens you know um and and it's sad to say that that's the, the uh, an atmosphere that you have to adapt to when you voluntarily join um, to be a service member of the United States military. And our next slide, if you look at that, those are some really serious statistics right there. Look at that. Look at those numbers, y'all. That is astronomical. That is crazy. 6,131 sexual assaults reported. But look how many were dismissed. 998 court martials. And I was about to say, look how many was dismissed. Yeah, look at the dismissal rate. Wow. That's over a tenth. The the crazy part about it is, is like most of the times those individuals that that do speak out, um, their, their situation is swept under the rug to a point to where it's non-court-martialed or reduced charges to you know they're a, a superior officer or superior enlisted uh and non-commissioned officer um or even you know from you know just having somebody that's connected because the military is also a a a, 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 a i would call a very large fraternity sorority organization for some family members um there are members that that will tell you oh my great uncle is you know a a general of of some sort uh so they feel that with them being enlisted they can get away with so much um and and you know these charges are uh, obviously 
uh, reduced or dismissed because of their affiliation or association to somebody that they may know that's higher up. And it, you know, it, it's it's crazy. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. And what I don't understand, Chris, and you know, I guess maybe me and you can dialogue a little bit, but I don't understand, Chris, to save my life, how an E nine, okay, a sergeant major, can get away with this, okay. And all he gets is a slap on his wrist and he still gets his pension. He'll still get his pension for the rest of his right. life. He'll and get all of, the of his benefits. There is no rate deduction. There is, is and there is no no pay deduction. And and, and like most of the times, uh, excuse my train in the background, but most of the times, Mary, you may contest uh well can can say or agree to it it's it, you know like you said it's a slap on the wrist article 15 250 out of your check for one month that i mean like that's nothing you know uh some individuals have are considered to be repeat offenders on sexual assaults and they they still get you know the slap on the wrist 250 400 don't do it again sorry major don't do it again command sorry major don't do it again top you know you know this we're gonna transfer this private or we're gonna transfer this soldier to another unit and you won't have that to worry about that's the kind of stuff that gets swept under the rug that's why families end up trying to figure out why my loved one has been deported i mean not deported but you know have received orders to to be transferred somewhere else because you know their story is is starting to get widespread it's starting to get traction and before it becomes uh attention to like a post commander of some sort uh or jag uh they're gonna move that soldier around uh and, and like mary alluded to like fort, fort hood is one of the largest forts that we have stateside well the largest now especially that we don't yeah. uh, deal overseas as much anymore uh so it's the largest that we have um so I mean, like it's several units in Fort Hood. It's not just one particular, you know, uh, unit in Fort Hood. Just like Fort Polk has a few units, Fort Knox has a few units, and and so like depending on what your job title is, you might get transferred transferred to to Fort Knox. Just your story is starting. Your 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 assaults are being you know starting to get recognized, and that's that's one of the ways that. They hide the individual and they do away with the with the assault. And at, and at that time too, Chris, when I was in the military, and Germany was still alive and kicking, um, they would send you from the states, put you on orders so fast, and send you right overseas to to Europe. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, hold up. Right. And there's nothing right. you can do because you are a lower enlisted soldier. And Correct. once those orders are printed. You're gone. You're gone. Right. And what happens to that to that higher enlisted soldier, to that NCO, that non-commissioned officer? They're just they're just going to keep they're just going to keep living their life and still even get possibly promoted, and they're going to still be able to retire with full benefits. Am I not right or wrong? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct, Mary. And 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 like you like you mentioned, you know, I I'm still connected to uh, several uh, men and women service members of the military. And I say military because the army networks with every branch. We train with every branch. So, um, you know, it's it's not just army comrades that we know, Mary. So, you know, like you said, uh, 
we'll get shipped off to somewhere that's predominantly known as a naval training base or a marine training base or you know a medical training base again this is just so you can shut up pretty much that's that's pretty much all that is so you can shut up and that the um, non-commissioned service officer or our commissioned service officer or warrant officer um, they're tired of you going back and forth and telling them the nasty shit that they do and, and excuse my expression yep that's true so that leads me to my next slide uh tony which is suicides that leads a perfect that's a perfect subway that chris led into um perfect perfect um we can slide right into military suicide because that's a perfect i mean perfect way to go because what happens we give up there's no solution to the problem so what do we do we take our lives look at this the next slide shows you a statistic chart of texas suicides texas deaths at the top of there 3403 we are ranked number 41 in the nation with suicides which isn't high but wow and, and all of this is and all this has come from having ptsd correct not correct not solely not always yeah, not always, right. but some, right. sometimes. Not solely tied to, but it is some type of uh, mental trauma that mm -hmm. in that that is uh, correlated with suicide, Tony. Um, whether it's acceptance from your family, acceptance from your your lifestyle, whether it's you know um, you know college, whatever. I mean, because you know the the the, the reason for suicide is 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 very grand very large uh so like um i will say the numbers don't see according to this slide the numbers may not seem high but for our state to be ranked for the 41st state uh in suicides that is that is very high because we have to also factor in the, the overall population of texas uh, so, um, you know, that, that, and then, and then that number, then, um, the number of suicide deaths, uh, in Texas, um, is also, you could also go to, I think the same website and get it broken down, uh, by, uh, socioeconomic status, race, and different things like that. So that then you can start seeing why that number should mean a lot to members of, uh, uh you know, especially to us uh in the african-american community because um like i said in the beginning mental health um the gap for or, or the lack of awareness in mental health is the reason that we have a number of 3403 and and i think mary if i'm not mistaken that was uh 2018 that was 2018 number these victims continue that, to be re-victimized um that's uh, equivalent because to get the numbers current has been uh extremely hard because never mind <laughs> yeah it's been I'll, I'll say with covid it has been extremely hard to get uh sure five facts uh wow. so, that. so you said some of the so some of the common systems 
of the PTSD could be difficult breathing, uh, sleep disturbance, uh, sleep disorders, pain, diarrhea. eating disorders, uh, socio dis socio disorders. Um, you know, anywhere from anywhere from packing your plate with so much um, work to do, and and like um, I said, uh, it's a lot of uh, uh, veterans that I know. Uh, that will volunteer themselves so that they don't have time to deal with the four walls of their their house or yes. what actually goes on within their mind. Addiction um, is big too. Actually, has to they have to deal with on the inside. So, um, yeah, it, it's. I'm glad. I'm glad we had this conversation. We're having this conversation today. Right, and so our next slide shows a funeral and. Um, if you are a soldier who commits suicide, you you will lose all your benefits, all your all entitlements, your everything. Wow! And so, and by serving in the in the military, you cannot be buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Like myself, I don't know if Chris is eligible or not, but yeah, he should be because he's a, he he served in a combat situation. So, um, um however if i took my life or if chris took his life we would not we would lose all benefits we would lose everything we would lose all entitlements our families would not get anything from wow and, and that goes for our life insurance policies as well uh, uh right. which is most most veterans have uh veterans group life insurance uh and that's a very healthy policy but like she said uh, if if I'm dealing with something or she's dealing with something or our comrades are dealing with something and they, you know, the help that, that they sought for isn't helping or isn't uh, rendering aid and they so choose to, you know, commit suicide, then that, that maybe $250,000 uh, life insurance policy that they had for their family plus whatever uh, beneficiary they had, uh, benefits going to or left to that's over you're not now your family has to not only know what you dealt with as a veteran but now bury you because there was no support and or aid to keep you from committing suicide wow. Wow. So our final, i'm gonna wrap this up real quickly um our next slide is gonna say um what our motto is in the military, I will never leave a warrior behind or a soldier behind. You always hear this saying, I got your six. That means I got your back at all times, no matter what. I know for myself, I will never leave Chris behind. And I know Chris has got my back at all times. So cool. no matter what, we will never leave a soldier, an airman, marine, a sailor behind. We will do whatever it is takes to make sure that they're okay. Um, that's my pledge to Chris. My pledge to my country, my pledge to any veteran out there. I will never leave you behind, and I know that you will never leave me behind. So, cool. And I have one more thing I want to talk about, and that's part two. It's working with the military community. Um, keep going. Our next, um, keep going, tell me. And the next one, next one, is going to tell you about, we do have a veterans treatment court here in Beaumont, Texas. In Jefferson County, it is in the 58th District Court, Judge Kent Walston's courtroom. Mm -hmm. It was established. It was established about five years ago. Um, I was part of that groundbreaking ceremony 
Um, and we are so happy um, that we are able to offer this for our veterans who may get caught up behind the law because nobody's perfect, including myself. And um, we all fall short. And so sometimes we get caught up in the law and we now have a veterans treatment court that we are able to help our, with our veterans so that they don't have to let say go to, to jail or prison or they can get a, de a deferred sentence um, so they don't have to uh, stay behind bars that very long. Um, this is an awesome uh, court, court that we have this going through. Um, veterans treatment court is a year program where they go through treatment at the VA. They, go, they have to go to groups. There are requirements. Not every veteran uh, uh, gets accepted into the program. So if you go kill somebody, you know, don't think that you're going to get out of it because you're not. There are stipulations and requirements that you have to go through um, to get in, accepted into the veterans treatment program. Um, like I said, this does come through the VA, the Veterans Affair in the United States, and it also comes through the VA. So I did want to share that. And um, before we close it up, um, there's some next slide just gives you some key components to look for, you know, empathy versus I understand, you know, have some effective listening. Um, don't be judgmental to veterans. And uh, these are just some great, great uh, ideas that I put together. Celebrate the successes of people. And that's my information right there. I want to thank you. Uh, and again, like I said, I salute you for um, making this um, information uh, accessible and relatable to not just uh, the veteran community, but the families and the communities of the veteran community. Because if we are, you know, if we are affected, um, uh, with PTSD, then our greater community also have some trauma issues that that may need to be dealt with as well. So I I, I, I took my hat off to you, Mary, because I, I had to um, like turn my camera off and on because to speak about my community, especially um, on on this side as a veteran, it it it, it can get emotional. Um, but you know. Um, we find, like I said, we find our ways to deal with it, especially uh, when we have issues uh, with resources, especially resources that are bound to us, uh, like travel pay. Uh, uh, and it may seem simple, but like travel pay is very, very important to us. Uh, we may have to go to Houston on like in the middle of the month and don't have money because we only get paid on the first of the month. And so like that travel pay is not just gas, but it's our meal for the day, you know? So um, I myself and several other veterans had to write our elected officials and let them know that whatever process that they chose to go with to um, process the travel pay, do away with it and go back to having the Houston hospital issue travel pay because it, if I like it, I dropped my letter today, tomorrow I got a deposit in my account, you know, or, or something of that nature. So, uh, or, you know, you remember they used to give you the, the cash. Um, yep. So like it, it was, you know, it was, it was easier for uh, and accessible for a veteran to, you know, take those trips to Houston. And, and even if we didn't have a car, we knew who brought us 
hey, I got $75 for you, baby, to take to my dentist appointment or something like that, you know? Yeah. But like it got harder for veterans to uh, to do that uh, because of whatever process that the state chose to do. Um, and and I, I, I don't wanna um, beat anybody, but uh, a few days ago, Tony had um, a few state representatives on um, that is in, it, it, instrumental for this veterans community in particular, because those are the representatives that we rally to. Those are the representatives we uh, champion uh, legislation with, especially on the veteran side. So again, Mary, I definitely want to, I thank you for uh, always having my six. I, I always thank you for having my six. Um, and, and you know, I got yours, like you said, and um, Tony, man, you, we got to do this one, this one again, because PTSD <laughs> is, is broader and it's affecting younger individuals in our community because we're not knowing how to deal with the mental uh, stresses that we, you know, that we endure. And I, I, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I really, 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 really appreciate that. But, you know, I think that we should uh, have a, a part two of this because I want to talk about coping with PTSD, how mm -hmm. to live with PTS, PTSD, and how do I know I have it and how do I get help? Yes. So that's, let's make this a part two deal and let's come back with it in another week, week or two. And um, let's kind of give some more inf important information on the post-traumatic stress disorder. That's it, Tony. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about got to say, it. sound like you got it. Them tongue get Absolutely. tied up. And thank y'all so much for asking me to be a part of this podcast tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Um, there are so many resources out there that are available to our veterans. Um, just reach out to myself. You have my information. Chris, I'm sure, can help them too. There are, there are lots of resources that are available to our veterans and we do not ever want you to feel like that you are left behind um, because you're not and you're never alone in this battle. I promise you. And um, thank you again, Tony. And let's do a part two. I, I agree. Um, definitely. Yes, we need to do that. So let's let's make an arrangement on that. But stay, you guys stay backstage when we close out and we're going to get a uh, arrange a date and uh, let's finish this up because it gets deeper than this yeah, yes we it does make sure, we want to make sure that we get the right information out there to our community okay awesome Tony. thank you awesome. everyone thank you everyone for joining us tonight awesome. uh, knowledge is power podcast live our, our guest mary williams and we talked about the ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder Look and, at you, Tony. Oh, got, got, got it. it. Got it, got it, got it. And we're going to spread the word. All right, we're going to spread the word. See y'all Sunday at the same time, I'm 7 o'clock, right here on Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages.